Hey everyone, welcome back to your Weekly Fix podcast with your host, me, Victoria Fix. On your Weekly Fix podcast, we talk all the issues, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But most importantly, we talk about issues that impact you, your family, your friends, and your communities. So you can listen, encourage conversation, and eventually get out there and better advocate for yourselves and each other. Hey everyone, welcome back to your Weekly Fix podcast. This is Victoria, your host, as always, but today we are joined with a very special guest that I'm super excited to have on the podcast. Um, It's my mother, the one and only Kathy Fix, so I'm super happy she's here. I also want to apologize um, and thank you guys for your patience last week. I didn't upload an episode. I just got really busy with school and getting my shit together, if you will, and Um, I decided to take some time to focus on that, but we're back this week, better than ever. I was going to do an episode this week on tolerance, that's what you guys wanted, but I honestly just don't feel very prepared for it, and I think I want to take another week to get my thoughts together and prepare so I can give you guys the best episode. So instead, you're going to get something even better. I've been wanting to have my mom on the podcast since the start of this because I just think she's incredible, and I may be biased, but I think... She has a lot of wisdom, a lot of great advice, and even if you're not looking for advice, her story's pretty cool, So, and she's really funny, so I'm glad she's here with us. Uh, before we get started, I would like to plug, of course, the Instagram. You can follow us at Your Weekly Fix Podcast on Instagram, and then click the link in my bio to join the private Facebook group. Also, the deadline to register to vote, depending on your state, is probably approaching pretty quickly. If you click the link in my bio as well, you can um, register to vote, check your registration status, and make sure you have a plan ready and prepared for election day. I actually just decided that I think I'm going to come home and vote in person. That's just my personal preference, but you can also vote by mail. On the Instagram, I also do a really cool tutorial saved in my highlights on navigating the vote.org website and how you can find more information about that. So please make sure you guys are prepared to vote this year. There's a lot at stake. I talk a lot about voting, so you guys know where I stand on it, but it's really important that you get your voice heard this election cycle. My mom and I will definitely be voting. She just actually changed her registration status, and she did it without me even telling her to do it, so that's pretty cool. Um, Before we get started as well, we also just want to touch on the tragic death of uh, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um... It's quite devastating. As many of you know, she was a huge icon in my life. Um, She's probably the most prominent figure that I looked up to um, as a woman. She probably is the most, I, I know the most about her. I've taken a lot of time to study her story, and it was a real punch in the gut to hear that news. I actually was driving home and I had to pull over and I called my mom crying and I just was so shocked and and so upset I also felt as though I couldn't give my time myself enough time to grieve because I was thinking of the implications of what a new Supreme Court justice will look like in the Trump administration I don't really promote my political beliefs on here I think you guys can assume um but There's a lot at stake this year. I just encourage you to vote and to stay informed and to make sure that you are prepared despite the way the justice, the Supreme Court will look, that you are prepared and you have your rights protected in one way or the other. So 
we're really sad about that and I know a lot of people are grieving her loss and it's it's really tragic and personally devastating for me so yeah um and on a brighter note why don't we introduce my guest Kathy Fix hi mom how are you hi Victoria <laughs> I'm so honored that you asked me to be on this okay um my mother's patronizing me she does that a lot where she'll patronize me but I know she's happy to be here I'm actually shocked she was so for it and I'm just really happy that she's here she has a lot of wisdom a lot of great advice that I can't wait for her to share but even if you're not looking for maternal advice um her story is really awesome and we have a lot of fun together so it's gonna be a good episode I think so mom why don't you start by introducing yourself why don't you tell us a little bit about your background what your day-to-day is like, um, a little bit about your history, your career, all that good stuff. Okay, well, I'll start off by saying, too, we have to remember that Victoria's always been a little bit self-conscious about the age of her parents, which, of course, were the same age, and that would make me 60 this year. So (laughs) I never really quite minded it, but I have to say now that I actually have hit it, I find myself skipping over the the topic when people go, "Hey, Kathy, how old are you?" and I'm like, "Um, just right. I'm older than you." I usually <laughs> say, "I'm older than you." Um, so I'm 60 years old, and but I don't feel it, and because she's really modern and cool, uh, and I um no, not really. Um, and I've always loved fashion and art, and in later life crafts and stuff like that always doing projects always designing costumes for victoria as she went through life being a fantastic dancer and a figure skater and whatnot so um it all started back when i was um looking for a place to go to college and i ended up that my place i wanted to be was new york city so i ended up going to college in brooklyn and i studied fashion merchandising and retailing and of course, my ultimate at Pratt Institute in Brooklyn. It's an art school, and um, <laughs> I um, my ultimate goal, of course, was to be a buyer. Um, probably a little bit of a letdown for me is that I stayed a year after college in New York, but I just felt that I wasn't the real go-getter, hustler, cool city girl that I thought I was would was going to be when I you know, first got there, loved every bit of my four years, explored the city, just adored every bit of it. But when it came down to actually settling into a career and making money and a living, I just decided that I might just come home to my local department store where I worked during high school and they all knew me. And as soon as they got the phone call that I was interested in coming back, they, I must say, they did open me with welcomed me with open arms and of course when I told my father I thought I'd like to come home he rented a U-Haul within 12 (laughs) hours so anyways I spent my early years in Syracuse buying traveling to like New York City and Chicago for different buying trips and I loved it um at the same time what was the department store you worked at first coming home Day Brothers and it was a nice big department store in downtown Syracuse on Warren Street in South Salina Um, and then after they kind of had to close down, which we'll get to later about retailing and all that it happened to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I went on to a local family owned store called Chapels 
and worked for them as a buyer too. But when I started, when I got married and started to have children, the stores were beginning to be bought out and closed or bought out by bigger companies. So the buying offices were no longer located right here in Syracuse. So my choice was to stay on with them, but to be out on the floor and working store hours, nights, weekends, the whole bit. So I did that for a little bit, but it was tough having children and young children at that. So that's kind of where my life sort of changed and I um, had to walk away from my so-called career that I loved so much. Yeah, that's that's a great introduction. For those who don't know, a buyer, can you explain a little bit about like what role you had in... Oh my gosh, everybody knows what a buyer is. <laughs> no, they don't. I didn't. And when I tell people that, sometimes they don't. Well, I'll just summarize it, I guess. You basically bought merchandise for the department stores. So you would travel, go to trade shows, things like that. Yeah. And yeah. And then did you, you did a lot of infant, toddler, like baby clothes, but did yeah. you switch, change around a little bit or? Yeah, I had a lot of different areas, but in the beginning I was buying um, the baby clothes and kids, which I loved. But then I did end up buying um petite sportswear for ladies and plus sizes and maternity and um back then when we had maternity departments in the department stores and yeah pretty much every month we had a basically I remember distinctly having like what would you call it a stipend an amount of money to spend for dinners and we would all we would all spend the week before making our schedules on a little schedule sheet of all the different appointments we were making and where we were going and what buildings and addresses. So if there was a building 1400 Broadway, you would spend the day there. And of course, all the manufacturers, and if you wanted to work efficiently, you would try your hardest to make all your appointments in 1400 on that day mm. so that you stayed in the building and you moved around fast. Right. Then the next day you might spend it in another building or another two buildings or whatever. So it was great fun. And then at night we would go to dinner, a, a bunch of us buyers, and we all stayed in the Roosevelt Hotel all the time. That was our place to go. And it was just fun. Yeah, I think that's really cool that you were able to leave New York, but then come home to Syracuse. It was obviously different than, it's crazy to think of like the fact that there were department stores in downtown Syracuse with now what it looks like. But I think it's cool that you were able to still have that city feel and like be able to go to Chicago and New York City and have that experience. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. It was like the best of both worlds because I had to leave, which was sort of sad, but then I got that life where I could always go down once a month and visit. Yeah. So why don't you tell us, so basically <coughs> also bef even before then, it's okay, you can cough, I won't smack Thanks. you in the head. Sorry. <laughs> there are no I rules coughed. here. <laughs> But before that, obviously, my parents are both from the Syracuse area, and um, that's obviously why my mom came back. I didn't know if that was obvious or not, but yeah. And then what happened then? So you left your career, you decided to stay home and kind of raise Rob and I, my brother, and my father, your husband at the time, opened a law firm in Oswego, New York, and you decided to yes. take on the role of helping him with that where how is the decision making process in that because a lot of people make that decision where they decide to become a single income household and leave you know one person leaves work or whatever how did you how did you and dad kind of come to to establish that well at the time I think it was in the mid 90s I'm not really good with 
remembering actual years and financial situations in the country at the time, but I guess you would call it a slight recession. And your father was laid off from a very little small law firm. And then he went to another law firm. And then and you and dad were together in law school. So you had to work, obviously, yep. when he was in law school. Okay. Yep. So that was true. a financial decision. Like right. That made, yeah. And then, um, so I remember him just coming home one day when I was still in retailing, working at a store working at chapels in Syracuse, but not as a buyer. I was working in personnel, so I was hiring people, hiring all the um, employees there. And, of course, I was working some nights, and I was working weekends. And he just said, I think I'm going to have to open my own business. Mm. And I thought at the time, are you kidding me? You've only been out, like, working with firms for, like, three or four years how are you ready for this and he basically said well I am but not necessarily in Syracuse I think I would make more of a dent in this small town up <laughs> north called Oswego New York <laughs> where I really see that there's a void in like representation for real estate and whatnot and I thought what the heck where is that I had actually was slightly embarrassed your father went to college at Oswego State but I personally had never been there yeah. until I met Dad. So I said, all right, I'll look into it. And as a good wife, I, I thought, well, I'll try it. Um, he tried to sell me on the fact that the school was rich because, you know, that's kind of a far-out story. But the school was really rich with money because Niagara Mohawk and the power plants up there put a lot of money into the school and whatnot. So I thought, all right, well, I'll look into it. So I basically jumped into the whole situation no different than I would have if somebody gave me the opportunity to open up a, a dress shop. Yeah. I just jumped in and I thought, well, I'll call the local newspapers and I'll talk to them about ad prices and running ads every weekend so that the phone would keep ringing on Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. And I got involved in the Chamber of Commerce up there. Um, so that we would kind of have a name for ourselves and that we would be kind of community involved. All things that I probably enjoyed doing. Um, and I had my own time. It also afforded me a lot of like of my own schedule. If I needed to leave Dad's office at 2.15 every day because you guys were coming home. or okay. if it was, but you were always like picking Rob and I <laughs> But I was always a good 15 minutes <laughs> yeah. late. And everybody, the buses had left and everybody was having their milk and cookies and you guys were waiting on the porch for me and I raced up and yeah. usually honked the horn to try to be funny. Yeah. Um, but, um, so, it, but it afforded me a, yeah, lot, a lot of, of special freedom. time. Mm -hmm. I got to go into classrooms and volunteer and help in the, your kindergarten classroom when I wanted to. I probably would have, you know, I couldn't have asked for a better young mother situation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I never, I, I guess I don't think about it that much that I was very lucky to have you readily available for whenever I needed you. I mean, dad worked a lot and he'd be, you know, in court late or doing something late or, you know, he couldn't leave court 
or something and like it was really cool that you were always available if Rob and I needed anything you know you were there and it was really cool to have you in the classroom and being very present whereas a lot of the other students in my class you know had two working parents and they needed you know to stay after at Latchkey and um, had to be at school early and, and things like that so I was very fortunate and we're going to talk a little bit about that and making that decision um, and kind of what you've taught me from that decision and how you think I should maybe have a different outlook in making decisions about my future and whether or not I have a family or not but moving forward so I'll kind of fill in here then you worked for dad for 20 years his practice has been kicking since <laughs> I was born we moved to Oswego um so my parents are originally from DeWitt both of them went to the same high school they met like when my mom got home through mutual friends shout out Dan if you're listening to this <laughs> and then you know moved to Oswego we settled in Oswego and my brother and I were raised in Oswego and then after my mom worked for my dad for all those years things happened and my parents got divorced and then my mom was very much in a crossroads trying to figure out how to um I don't know deal with a heartbreak but also then deal with not only the financial repercussions but just the realistic repercussions of taking your life and really putting it on pause um and then now having to jump back into the workforce and whatnot so then after that she worked in various it was a really hard time I remember she worked in really odd capacities that we don't need to get into that just were crazy to think of my mother working the hours that she worked and in the in the places that she worked to provide for me um and then she finally through some connections got back into the retail game worked at Macy's for a little bit and now is a freaking assistant manager at Marshalls which is awesome she's so happy there she deserves it she's killing it there but also I should say in addition to working full-time which my mother it didn't matter if she was working for no pay at my dad's law firm or for a volunteer situation or like she in her current role without a doubt my mother works if she has to work 40 hours she puts in 50 like she's always early always late and that's something I obviously really you know admire about you but in addition to that, my mom also takes care of my, her father, my grandfather, which has brought her back to Syracuse. And with that being said, we have him set up, we're at home right now in DeWitt, and we have him set up with a little Western movie, but it, you, you might hear him call us or something, but um, he's here. So your life has really taken a huge pivot. Why don't you talk without, you know, only if you're comfortable talking a little bit about what the process was like transitioning after not working for 25 years in a conventional like nine to five role or a career of your own that wasn't connected to dad what was it like having to deal with the reality you know you don't need to get into the divorce thing but like dealing with the reality of knowing that your life was going to change but then also that you had to pick back up and find you know a way to survive and, and make an income Well, I think the reason I think the main reason why I was confident overall, despite I was devastated also, and a little frightened, the fact that I had a college education was a huge yeah. was a huge confidence builder for me. Yep. 
Yeah. And people would even approach me and say, do you think you want to get back to school and learn a different trade? Do you think you'd like to be a nurse or a teacher? And I thought, you know, there are a lot of times in our world today that women do think that. They, they might think, well, my old career isn't doing very well for whatever reason. Yeah. Not as popular. Money's not as good. So they do have to completely turn around and re-educate themselves and take another path. Or maybe they just don't care for that career that they first picked, so they want to take find another path. But for me, I always loved it so much. And I was, I have to say, I did have a bit of bitterness that someone took me away from it and then ended what we had built together. So mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I'll be gosh darned if I'm going to switch my whole life around. I'm at least going to give my original love and my original career um, a shot. Yeah. I wanted, I was very anxious to see how much it had become technologically advanced and could I jump back in and learn those technological pieces of equipment that they use now and whatnot. Yeah. So that was you know, I felt like, nope, I've, I've got my one degree and I'm going to make it work for me. Yeah. and Because th- time's a wasted too, kind of a thing. Right. And I, I think that's amazing because there were so many times that I try to like forget about that. We were, re- you were really in a dark spot and I thought she's got to get out. Like she's going to have to be a secretary or she's going to have to do something clerical because retail is just not what it was. And nobody... You know, we really saw firsthand what ageism was like. A lot of people would not hire you because of your age or they would not promote you. You would stay very entry level for your skills and um, your education because, you know, you were 55 and you had been out of the workforce for, for 25 years, which is really scary to see. I think, too, like I observed you at Macy's and now a little bit at Marshall's, like even though you say that you still have to adapt to the the techno technology and the the different things like things in retail i think have stayed pretty much the same like i've see you jump right back into it and have you know the like the bare the the, the bones of it are are the same would you say like that you were able to adapt. yeah i mean yeah i feel i kind of feel without tooting my own horn i kind of feel like once i jump back into it it just feels comfortable and i get moving along and for the most part, my peers and my coworkers all kind of think I know my, as they would put it, I know my shit. Yeah. But You're at cool. the same time, I'm cool. <laughs> but at the same time, there is the, if you have a little too much fear in you and a little too much passion for what you're doing, but you in the behind the scenes have a sort of a silent fear, which mine would be maybe my age. Um, you can expose that a little bit. And from that, I found that I became, and I always have, but I really now at my age became kind of good old calf. She'll do, she'll stay the extra hours. She'll do everything that possible, that a higher level person would do, but we don't really need, she'll just do it regardless. So we'll just keep her doing it, but we won't give her the promotion. So that that even though I kept plugging along and it's been now seven years yeah if I step back and really went Kathy look at what you're making and you've been doing this for 
seven more years, it really would be daunting. And I'd say, this is not going to, I'm never going to be able to get myself where I can support myself again at this rate. Yeah. And and you definitely experienced that where, because you're like literally the epitome of a self-starter and someone who works beyond your responsibilities, you never complain about that. People tended to take advantage of you in a lot of roles because you, you know, they could pay you at a rate that was too low for what you were doing and then they were able to maximize your work ethic and get away with it yeah yeah and and that's I saw that you know watching you at your previous role so I mean I'm finally glad that you're you know you're finally in a place where you are deserving you know where your work is finally paid off and people are seeing that and it's it's just like it's so cool too to see how the times like it happened it was like it happened at the perfect time you getting into marshals because it really did covid and everything it's i mean it's so ironic that yeah and it was almost like it, unfortunately i had to just say to myself my goodness this has got to be worth the wait because yeah it was such a great job offer that i couldn't believe i was getting and then i had to put it completely at a stop because it was i literally was hired 2 weeks or 1 week before everything closed down but I still thought I'm still the luckiest girl yeah. in the whole wide world because I had it yeah it was coming yeah yeah I, I guess we didn't mention that that you literally were hired and were about to start and then the entire country shut down and you weren't able to work so you had like kind of like an extended vacation and then I came home and, and which then that you... was great too yeah we no. loved our time together yeah it might it probably wouldn't have been able to go any longer than it did (laughs) but but we loved our time together yeah and um so yeah i really felt lucky yeah and and marshall's was so kind yeah and they always kept making phone calls and telling me we haven't forgotten you you won't slip through the crack so i couldn't have asked for a better i know because that was your fear too that because of covid they may have cut or furloughed positions or something and they yeah. did at macy's yeah, exactly. and it was so ironic but yeah so i guess we can talk a little bit now like about that decision um you know for me growing up you you know we're really lucky that we're so close and we all definitely talk about the pros and cons of being a really close unit but something that you've always taught me is that Uh, one of the most important things I could do in the world is no matter what I you know want to do to be independent and to always make sure that no matter what I wouldn't rely on not only a man but just rely on someone else for monetary gain or emotional support and you know what would you say do you think that was a regret of yours that you decided to take a different path and leave your career for dad or do you feel like it was worth it for your family and what would you say to someone like my age right now who's like if 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 my listeners were like me your daughter what would you tell them kind of about that decision that you made I definitely have regrets and it doesn't mean I regret like having a family I always wanted that also yeah but I always even though I was kind of like Miss Homeck in school and I don't look too racy um racy I don't look too edgy um, or anything. I always had a dream that I would have, maybe not like a housekeeper and a nanny and a chauffeur, but I always felt like I was going to be a career woman with some help at home and raise children too. 
But the problem there, I believe, was that I never, you have to really start out with a solid ground running in your career and you can't have any breaks in it yeah. in order to really maximize your salary and make it work for you. Yeah. So you would say kind of on a practical level, you know, hit the ground running in the beginning because it's hard to bounce back. Definitely. And take as many, be as impressive as you can be in the beginning days of your career and get those promotions or even jump from company to company. Yeah. In the retailing world, that's actually where a lot of people feel they make their big money is they stay for just a couple of years at a high level in a department store. And once you're thought of as a store manager where you are touted as, you know, I've run a store that does, you know, $45 million a year, you're pretty good on your resume to be getting another job at another store and another store. And so people tend to say like, well, I know that Best Buy pays their store managers yeah. better than, you know, um, Macy's. Yeah. So if they're smart, you know, of course that's not really, there's a downside to that too. That means you're not really passionate about what you're doing. You're just looking to see to how quickly buck. you yeah. can jump and, and, there's some phonies out there too that never really stay long enough to really yeah. they just jump before they're kind of figured out but you know what I mean yeah, for the yeah, most yeah. part that's how you get better you know increases in your salary yeah and I think a better way to say that too is like if you're not getting what you deserve at the place that you are there's no shame in jumping to another company or another role if you're going to a get paid well but also treated well and I think for you what you saw is it was less about the pay you know, fortunately, you have, you know, a great support system with your father, but, like, it was more about how you were treated and, like, your mental health and your self-worth, and and that also is a it means a lot, too, when you're, when you're in your career. Yeah, actually, we can um, springboard off into some, another topic, now that you're saying that, is that in, you know, the Springboard, honor, I like that. In honor <laughs> of our beloved Ruth Bader Ginsburg you know there was another part to being a woman in the field in your career trying to rise to a higher level um, especially in the times when I was doing it in the beginning when I was you know 25 26 years old and there was always the fear not for all women some women were really really confident and just jumped right in and or got into the president's office and said hey I don't think I'm being paid as much as I should be but for the most part all of us girls in the world of retailing it was a hectic fast-paced business mm -hmm. you would could very easily just go well I'd like to look elsewhere but I just don't have time I'm working two or three hours past my time to leave every day anyways and I just I can't find the time to get my resume out and look for a new job that's one thing that women shouldn't let get to them they should manage themselves and take care of themselves and if moving on and looking at what else is out there for opportunity then that's what you should do mm -hmm. second of all there was the forever kind of dark cloud that hung over us all and that was wanting to start our families and become pregnant yeah and there were some really really strange and difficult times then where 
we were pretty much 85% all female in my career anyways. Yeah. And, you know, you never knew what kind of boss you were going to have. Rarely did your higher up boss have like four or five children. Sometimes she had no children at all. So to walk in when times were, when we were just, let's say there was just so much going on and we were racing to try to purchase more merchandise to make bigger increases in the store to think that at 8.30 in the morning what was you had to come into work and go, I have to somehow fit in today squeezing in a little time with my boss to tell her that I'm pregnant yeah. was aw- oftentimes just absolutely daunting, daunting <laughs> yeah. and fearful. Yeah. It sounds silly right now, but it was. You, never, you didn't know how she was going to react. Yeah. And it meant to her, oh my gosh, time off. I'm going to lose her for, and then I'm going to have to, but I can't, she's going to still have her job when she comes back, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, I think that obviously happens still, but like less, of course, because I think, you know, in modern times. I'm hoping that now 30 some 40 years later, women can be a little bit more confident about giving that news. That news, yeah. It's really funny that you say that too. You know, we think of it stereotypically as telling a man that you're pregnant or, like, your male boss. But you said you had female and women bosses, and they had a different, you know, lifestyle than you. They decided, you know, to not have families or to just devote their life to their career. And women can be judgmental, too, in that, in that space. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's, that's really And scary. competitive. Yeah. And they're competitive. So yeah. it's very, very difficult to... Um, be a woman and want to try to say to people, I want to do both. I want to have my career and my family. Yeah. Well, I think we touched on a lot about career and I think your advice about that is, is really sound and awesome. Why don't we transition or springboard into (laughs) some more lighter things? Why don't we talk a little bit about what life is like as a mother to me? Are you ready to talk about that? Well, it's drastically changing. I'll say that. <laughs> what was your favorite part about being a mom, like when Rob and I were kids? What would you say? Well, I think my biggest enjoyment. I don't know if it can. It ended up being a success, but <laughs> my biggest enjoyment was spending time with you guys. Whether we were driving in the car back and forth between Oswego and Syracuse you know, spending our days off going to the zoo Mm -hmm. or an event, um, talking in the car about your experiences during the week, your experiences with your friends, your teachers, things that you were struggling with that you didn't understand. I loved all of that. I probably should have been a talk show host or a psychologist. We talked a lot. Yeah. (laughs) But going forward and looking back, I've often thought, you know, and, and comparing myself to other parents that I spent time, you know, getting to know and I knew kind of their style of parenting versus my style of parenting. Yeah. I did often wonder, did we talk too much? Yeah. You know, you can spend too much time analyzing, you know, exactly why your teacher looked at you in that way t- yesterday and what did that mean and how should you handle her going into school tomorrow or a better way of handling or maybe you know we could have cut off maybe 25 percent of that and you know just sort of like said well you know she's her and we're us and it doesn't mean that I ruined her day just because she was 
kind of mean and snarky to me yesterday. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. Yeah, I think I definitely see that. We've talked about this, that I think, like, I am trying to unlearn a lot of that, whether you and Dad did it intentionally or not, is that I really have found to become very, you know, judgmental in my, like, adult life, or just not judgmental, but questioning the ways others live. And I've really, in the past few years, like, grown to, A, develop a lot of empathy for people that I've never lacked, but just a better understanding um, of just, you know people live differently than us and and that and that's okay and but it's also hurt me or prevented me from you know having relationships or friendships because I am quick to judge people or I'm quick to second guess things which I've, I've noticed with a lot of my friends some of them I've learned really well from them that you know take people for their best don't look at the the negatives but a lot of my friends too we've also shared have shared have had shared experiences in that that their parents were really critical of like oh this child isn't able to watch you know they watch spongebob and eat mcdonald's like you don't do that so we're not gonna you know look in in their direction so i think it's a mix i think like some of my friends and young people are really have helped me in learning like to just take people for who they are but then i've also found that you know you and dad were not obviously alone like there it's hard to be a parent and like you can really get judgmental especially in a small town I mean like things were really really difficult in Oswego like everybody knew everyone and everyone's business and it was fun we met a lot of great people and you know Rob and I were really involved but it was also also difficult we definitely tried to make the most of it but it it was there was a struggle and if I can just um add a little some insight that I'm thinking about right now as I think of sweet Ruth Bader Ginsburg again is that I've often spent time wondering watching the different levels of social that parents are able to have while parenting too yeah so I grew up with your grandparents who pretty much worked hard spent the weekends working on their house and their yard and um always upgrading a different room in the house and your grandmother had her little secondhand clothing store so she met plenty of people that came in and out of her yeah of her thrift shop but in terms of like actually having dinners with friends or traveling even with friends something your grandparents didn't do so then I inherited that I inherited that a little bit and then with your father's business it was just seemed like we were go 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 and we never really I mean we had some friends together and I'm not saying we didn't go out and have some fun before we had children but I've often thought wow like I had a friend in college who told me about her mother who for every year every single year her girlfriends from high school all got together and picked another place in the United States to go as a trip. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that is really impressive. Yeah. That you could to have, travel with friends. Yeah. You could have six ladies that you, you know, no matter how much you were alike from them or different from them, you all s- stuck together, whether you were a few miles away or more like 300 miles apart. And you got together every year and made sure that you spent some fun time. And even while they raised children, they continued this tradition. So I really admired that and thought, wow, I guess I didn't, 
I didn't have that. Yeah. But I have good friends, but I didn't have and, that. And not to mention, you people would look at your childhood as very privileged because you still were able to travel. You're just saying you did it more insular. It was only the four just, of you. You, exactly. Uncle Tom, and, and me, Mar and Papa. Yeah. Exactly. And then, go, and then bouncing forward to somebody famous, I've often looked at or we've talked about, I've often thought of the life of Michelle Obama or Ruth Bader Ginsburg. How famous they've become, how many people love them or are impressed with them, not everyone, but many, um, and they admire listening to them talk and they build all of our confidences and they inspire us. But, you know, and then you think, well, they have so many, I mean, they've got to have tons of friends and they've yeah. got to, but at the same time, when you hear them interviewed and you hear the struggles or the number of times in their history where they really had so much what's the word let backlash back yeah backlash yeah and pushback pushback and and times where they felt defeated yeah and i just feel like even as great of a life as they've had and they've concentrated on their careers and their education and they've risen to such great successful positions in life. Yeah. But they have had their downfalls too. Yeah. I mean, they may travel with some friends. Who knows? I don't yeah. know. But they also have had people not agree with them or not find them so incredibly impressive. Or they can't impressive. trust them. Sure, they've, especially the Obamas have had people that they can't trust. Exactly. Or opportunists. Yeah, I, I think... You know, that's something you and I talk about a lot is, you know, that's definitely something generational. I feel like Neymar, obviously, which is my mother's mom, was very, very judgmental even within her own family. And then, you know, maybe you wanted to protect Rob and I a little bit more. So we stayed insular because your family was insular and you kind of mimicked that. Um, but there's no right or wrong way, I think, to parent. And there's no right or wrong way to make those decisions like you said even the most successful people you know have issues with friendships or issues with relationships and um you just gotta pick what's best for you also like I'm learning to be much more introverted than I thought so you know not having so many friends or like so many like a huge group of friends are always socializing has been beneficial for me because I feel like I love the people in my life but I also prioritize school I prioritize my time alone and and I don't regret that even though I'm working on maybe letting more people into my life I also don't regret being a little bit more selective I guess and I learned that from you and dad yeah but I also think and I'm hoping that you take your career early on and stay with it and get that momentum that mm -hmm. I didn't get or that I broke yeah in the middle course, yeah. and you know, that just causes you again, like I said, to, and definitely I've, I push, and even now with the economy the way it is and the way the world is changing, I definitely feel that, I mean, especially Oswego, but even in some cases Syracuse too, it's getting fewer and fewer, less and less opportunities in towns of our size. And you definitely, if you want to make something of yourself or have an exciting life, so to speak, mm -hmm. um, I think it is so important um, to end up being in a slightly bigger city and exp experience other places. And to meet more people. And to like, meet more yeah. people. And not to say that if you told me tomorrow 
that mom, I just, you know, in my heart of hearts, I kind of want to just come back to the Syracuse area. I would say absolutely do what you feel most comfortable. But if you can try the other yeah. and feel that you kind of like it or are successful at it, definitely go for it. You know, it's so funny you say that now because what I wanted to talk about next was one of the biggest things in, a, in addition to being independent, one of the biggest lessons you talked to me about. I'd say probably growing up and when we were when I was a teenager it was the values you instilled in me were to have my own gig, like have my own thing, be independent, to not rely on anybody and to just go forward with my career. I think the second one would probably have to do with relationships and boyfriends and just and never choose a college oh yeah and never choose a college because of another guy or a boyfriend or something absolutely but the third thing is you really instilled in me how important it was to a leave Oswego to just experience something else you weren't expecting me to go to New York City but you wanted me to leave and you wanted me to leave the area because you knew that that would be a huge you know challenge for me and that a lot of my growth was going to be was going to come out of moments of discomfort so it's really funny you say that do you think you say that like if you wanted to come back home to be comfortable you say that now because you saw me kind of go out and try it or are you saying that you do still want me you know you still expect me to go out and still challenge myself and and be um I like I'd like to think that you have a little bit more ambition than I did back in the 70s um also wait I'd like we didn't get so involved with you know, internships and how your resume looked and, and going on to higher education. We were more kind of comfortable in just having our four-year degree. Yeah, it and, wasn't as competitive. Right, and, and it also, was not I nearly just, as competitive. And I just want to add, too, like, the economy in, in the city of Syracuse is so different now than it was when you were here. You had an option to come home and, oh. and make a living and make a life. I, in my career, in your then. career, you definitely wouldn't now if you were coming home from Pratt Institute after studying fashion merchandising or going to FIT. But for me, I don't really. There's not. I could do local government, but like there's not as much of an opportunity. Right. So that also changed. That I just wanted to add that 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 yeah. is also a factor. I mean, there is a possibility that you could get very um, disillusioned or or sad or in a gigantic city where the rent is super high. And you're not, you know, yet, you know, meeting or marrying somebody that is independently wealthy or also has a big, huge job. So you have to, like, figure out your rent and your opening salary of your first job. And you got to figure, oh, am I going to slum it for four years and see how this goes? Or am I going to go, oh, this is just too much to deal with? Yeah. So you definitely have to give up some things. Yeah. I think the income opportunities are much greater in bigger cities, but yes, what comes along with that too is a more a you know, higher yeah. cost of living too. Yeah, and I think that that's a good way to put it too. Like I think you you see me, you had your own experience, but then you also saw me like saying to you like I love New York, but it's hard and I was grinding and hustling a lot. I'm still hustling in in Maryland, but it's a different kind of hustle and I think that the reason you say that like to be comfortable is because I think you've also learned that it's not worth sacrificing your mental health or like your self-worth just to be in a city or just to be where you, you know, yeah, you think exactly. you need to be. Yeah. That's 
definitely what I mean. And also another thing um, is that, as we always say, if you're the very best dancer in your town mm -hmm. and then you get an, a scholarship or, or you get accepted at the best dance school, you then go to that dance school and you find out you're not the best dancer anymore. Yeah, they were so all the best. They were all job. the best dancers. So you'll get a feel for that pretty quickly when you start going out for jobs in big cities. You'll know how you do in them. And if you if you get in there and these um, bosses that you have um, all think the world of you or are really impressed with how you take on the positions, then that's a reason to stay with it. If yeah. you kind of can't keep up and you realize, yikes, there's seven other um, positions right along with me and they've all gotten, you know, moved ahead and I'm still, that's another thing to rethink. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's, that's I think, a really... I personally am biased and I think you're already super impressive in the little that you've um, come out in the world and done career-wise, so I think you're going to be even more impressive the more you you get higher degrees and get out there and really find that career that you're looking for, exactly what you're yeah. and we've talked about that before too that it's your, your ideas and what you want to do in life is a little bit complex, you know what I mean? Just figuring out exactly the niche that you want to be in. Yeah, well thanks. What yeah, would sure. you, <laughs> we're talking deep stuff. Yeah. This is I'm like not, a really serious episode. And, and I, I think people I'm, are expecting you to be fun. I, I'm not having any problem talking. Yeah. You're going, you're not even stolen. We no, haven't I, even had to stop. <laughs> I may like this and go out and do a little spinoff. Well, you're, we've always said you should be a talk show host. The one <laughs> thing in my family, I don't know, my dad, my mom, Rob and I, we all, are really big talkers and we <laughs> imitate everyone and we do impersonations and so it's only fitting that we've got some sort of <laughs> radio show on here yeah something. you started a little something for the family i also just want to note that we did not prepare any of this we have no script nothing we're just going like we're really good at this girl maybe maybe it should be maybe we do it just together like screw me like we'll just do your weekly fix with Kath and Tori. Or maybe a little sequel so that it would, we give it a little other name to yeah. it. Yeah. Busy Bitches. Yeah. Busy yeah. Bitches. <laughs> if you guys are, are friends with me on Snapchat, my mother posted a Facebook post for National Daughters Day that made her late to work because she was so invested in finding the emojis for it, but she did hashtag Busy Bitches at the end, and that's kind of our little thing. We're Busy Bitches. We also coined the term bitch, like we say it all the time, and I have to remind my mom, it's kind of offensive. Like, you have to establish a relationship with someone before you call them a bitch, and then tell them it's in an endearing way, but she just sometimes throws it out there, and whatever. Because I'm tr always trying to be cool. <laughs> yeah, that... But sometimes it <laughs> blows up in my face. One time, like, I Like, for instance, the word we... dope. <laughs> She'll say a she'll say dope in front of like her friends from high school that are also sixty who are like way more conservative. I feel like and like, I don't know, just like, yeah, cookie I, cutter. And I, you say dope and stuff, and they're looking at. <laughs> Wait, one time, one time. I hope you don't mind me telling this. This isn't so. We call our dogs Cooter and Pooter and Pookie, and we call them all sorts of weird things. And one time. <laughs> 
I kind of default to saying cooter and pooter too. Like if something's cute, I'll be like, look at the pooter. But so one time my mom at work called one of her sales associates pootie and she was so offended by it. So I told her like that was, that's a sign that you kind of need to be careful of like the nicknames, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. You don't want to go to HR. I know that whole human resource thing and OSHA and everything else. It doesn't matter if you're in the world of medicine or just retailing. You've got to be so careful when you reach a management level and just in terms of how you address associates. Now our employees are so diverse and they're from so many different walks of life. Not to mention, again, I still try to be the cool mom, so it wouldn't be unusual for me to try to say to one of the high school um, guys at Marshall's, you know, hey, Zach, how's it going? Mm. You look dope today. But, you know, I can't really say that. That's, yeah. I got to be careful. Yeah, because you're a manager. <laughs> yeah. Right. Even though they still say, Mrs. Fix, you're really, really cool. Yeah, you're automatically cool. People <laughs> already see that in you. Um, speaking of cool, so it's obviously no surprise that you and I were really, really close, even since I was a little girl. But I think it really became, our bond became strong once dad, you and dad divorced and we um went through a lot together what like I pretty much tell you everything everyone in my life knows that there are some things I don't tell you there are good yeah I mean like even though you're cool there are some things that I will say to my friends like I'll never tell my mother this that I did that or, or whatever but for the most part I run everything by you I've I will tell you stories like that most girls don't tell their moms what would you say which I obviously love and I think I'm so lucky because I was able to talk to you about things and you protected me and you helped me through a lot and I think that's you know I don't mean to toot my own horn but I feel like I am ahead of my years now maturity wise because I was able to just like run so much by you as a younger girl like and you helped me through a lot of it but what would you say like do you think what are the pros and cons you would say of being a mom who's really close with their daughter? Oh, I've thought about it a lot, and I think there's so many different pros and cons. For the most part, though, I'll start out by saying I really do love... Oh. I've loved our journey. Oh, my gosh. Sorry, guys. It's our dog. Sorry. Okay, I'm just saying something. Okay. <laughs> um, I've loved our journey, and with dogs and without dogs, I've loved our journey, and I do love... Okay our life together and you're my favorite person in the whole wide world. So that's, that's number one. But of course I, my style of mothering, I completely invented off of my own experience with my mother. I always thought about the pros and cons of my relationship with my mother. And I had a lot of strong feelings about what didn't work with me and my mom so therefore I of course was anxious to jump into being a mother and taking some of what your grandmother and I had together and then adding a whole lot more yeah. of openness and just being open yeah. just being open um, and I think for the most part that worked but I often I often thought about it would have been so easy to have had a different kind of a daughter who resented my advice or wanted to be more rebellious than you were 
and it could have gone a completely different way. Yeah. But I, I was blessed and I was lucky and I let you have some freedom that a lot of mothers wouldn't have done in middle school I was age. was a bad girl, guys. <laughs> but you also were there to listen or if I did sneak on and see what you were writing on your, what was that called back then? MySpace. Your MySpace. <laughs> when I caught you, you had enough, I guess, respect or fear of me that you... Respect. You, you didn't go crazy angry at me, but you realized my advice to you was something that you should probably listen to or whatever. So that's basically how I ended up... Um, creating my style of how I raised you um, as to the pros and cons of um, I think it's more just you know my concern for you I don't want I don't want you to ever feel that still to this day as a 23 year old young woman that you still have to like oh I have this such this anxiety that I have this little story that I've never told my mom yeah um, it's okay to have a secret here or there yeah. I mean you've already become like a super smart independent girl that doesn't do too many edgy whatever you want to call it live on the edge type of yeah, things I'm not a risk taker right and <laughs> you tend my to friends are really laughing when they hear that part <laughs> you're a little bit you're a little bit sharp when i have some advice for you and you yeah. go mom i'm a good girl <laughs> you want to see what the other girls are doing out there but um, for the most part, that is true, and so therefore, um, you know, I've done the, you've do, you do that base work in the beginning when you're young, and then hopefully everything works out, and yeah. you set them free, and um, yeah. everything works out. Yeah, and it worked out for you, like, and it worked out for me, but it could have, like you said, it could have gone completely At, wrong. Yeah, and I worried about that, and yeah. sometimes, as we all know, um, well, I mean, all of us mothers out there know, you can have your neighbor or your fellow, you know. Uh, your daughter's classmates parents and they love to make their comments you know they'll they'll let you know like why are you allowing your daughter to do that or yeah. whatever so I definitely you know scratched my head about it a, a lot and wondered Ooh, am I you know and I certainly wasn't out there going I can do whatever I want and I'm gonna do it this way I did question it but I you know you gotta take everybody's different yeah. and everybody and has you different... trusted me i think too like even though i was yeah yeah and that was important i'd say for me the pros and cons have been yeah what are what are your thoughts what are your pros and cons <laughs> i'd say that because i've had you uh to bounce everything off of i'm never like i always have someone to give me advice which is but I think the biggest con is that I had a high expectation for what my friend should be like because you were my best friend. That's true. We've talked yeah. about that. Yeah, I've actually had a couple of friends when I've, the few times that I've had like analytical conversations with friends, they have, that that term or that phrase has been said to me before. Well, of course she has high expectations for her friends. Look who she is closest to. Yeah. And like they're, you know, which that's my so mom. silly because I'm not yeah. really anything that special. But okay, you're to you, really... to you, I, yeah, you know, to both of us, you're loving me unconditionally. That's not like the role of a mother is not. It shouldn't be like I shouldn't expect that of my friends. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's yeah. So I think that that is where I've 
I would say the biggest downsiders or I had to quickly just say to myself like look Victoria like you have your best friend as your mom but you also have amazing other friends as well and you can you know learn to meet new people without having them all be the person that you confide in the most or or whatever like or you can take other people's opinions and and insight because like I sometimes only go with what you tell me also another thing I was thinking about when I was spending time with dad yesterday was that I have a hard time sometimes making my own decisions. I make them, but I always have to, like, really run them by you or dad. Because I'm pretty close with both of you. Like, I just feel like I always have to. Yeah. And it's, like, sometimes, like, when I bought the Peloton, <laughs> I just was, like, I just have to do it. Like, what is what is my, my mom's going to say no, or she's going to say yes, but I want to get it. So, I'm 23 at this point. Like, I buy what I want to buy. Like, I don't need to, to have you telling me that's, like, what to do. So, I think that it's been really helpful because I've had someone to always give me great advice and I think you and dad are the smartest people in the world but I also now need to kind of at 23 say I can use their advice when I need it but I also need to start to like grow up and make my own decisions yeah yeah and I think if there's anything that I've done that has made it a little bit more difficult for, for you is that when I was younger I had that same feeling in my family I knew that there was going to be dinner a dinner at the table with the news at the end on a little teeny tiny TV and we all watched the news but during the com- during the commercial time we were able to discuss our day our troubles whatever happened that didn't go well or do or that went really well and they give me advice back so that's a really really great feeling but the difference between what I had and what we have is that I didn't feel probably as comfortable with my mother and her thoughts of my ideas and what I did with them as you do with me. So when it was time for me to move on and find a college and go, I think I probably, of course I was uncomfortable. I, I, you know, I yearned to talk to your grandfather every single night. I could talk to him every single day and tell him my whole entire, but my mom, I definitely felt like I got to get away. I want yeah. I want some freedom where with you, you know, we've always kind of, kind of had that cute little joke of like, you know, do you think there'll be another time in our lives where we'll live together, whether it be in a funny apartment somewhere or whatever. <laughs> um, and, and that's cute and fun to do. But I think as you're spreading your wings and you're um, seeing new things and getting farther and farther away from Syracuse, you're learning that, you know, whatever we have going forward is good too. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's normal. I bet a lot of people can relate to this, like, that you... I also always talk to my friends, too. It's funny, like, our relationship is changing because we're at an age now where a lot of us are starting to realize, like, oh, my parents aren't the smartest people on earth. Like, they did make mistakes, or, like, there were other ways I could have been raised, or, like, there were things my parents did wrong, and there were things that they did right. So, like, you're trying to navigate that at 23 years old because you're an adult now yourself. And also needing your parents still. It's the weirdest age. So I think that that kind of is what impacts the relationship. Yeah. And <laughs> without being very spiritual, which we often talk about how, what spirituality means and how we all have our own spiritual, where we grab it from. Do we grab it from a church? Do we just grab it from, you know, music or feelings? But um, I often think of you the sound situ- like a real hippie. You sound like a real liberal. Oh, yeah, I'm the liberal. Um, But I often think of this when I was a young mother. And I hate to say, like, God makes you and 
certain ways or that's how come you're how we're created yeah but I often remember when I was a young mother I specifically waited which was unfortunate for you because then you felt so embarrassed that we were older parents but I specifically <laughs> waited both for two reasons one is a silly little reason of thinking that we were gonna make it big and become rich before we had our children and that was a big mistake but or didn't happen. not further <laughs> could have been farther from the truth but the second thing was I just wanted to savor it. I just wanted, I thought that if I waited a longer time than all my friends that already had had children, I was going to just be able to enjoy it at that time. I guess I didn't ever think that I was going to have five children, but I just wanted to savor it. Yeah. So when I had them, I was, when I had you and Rob, I was so in love with just raising you, educating you, making that, that infant time so like, positive and enriched yeah which it was and then I, I thought guess. to myself what am I gonna do with this feeling that I have inside of me when they are graduating or even like just ending elementary school and going into middle school and or when what am I gonna do when I don't have a diaper to change but the strange thing is is that it all works out the right way yeah just when you're getting completely sick and tired of diapers you get you excited about right you move multiplication exactly <laughs> you you move on to the next stage and and, it, and i think that's true like i have a fear of growing up i think a lot of young people do but i yeah say for the most part it's natural you just go from one step to the next and like there's nothing to be afraid of like it all happens naturally exactly yeah Wow. And I think you've done a great job at it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> You're moving into the next stage really, really healthy. Yeah. In a really healthy way. Thanks. So you can end this. <laughs> I guess we're an hour and five minutes, so I feel like we could talk a whole another hour. So maybe oh we do a part two. I don't know. You'll have to see the reviews first. We will yeah. have to see. We won't do it if the reviews don't come in. Maybe, well. Yeah. Well, obviously, I'm so glad that you are here. I'm so glad we were able to do this in person. And then I came up and got to spend the week with you. And I think this episode is is really exciting. And I just thank you so much for your time and, and doing this with me. I've loved it. And I loved your surprise coming to visit me. That was the best surprise ever. Yeah, I'd say the tip for daughters to keep your mom happy is to call her every day. We call each other a lot. And to kind of do little nice things, like surprise them and let them know you love them. All right. Well... Thanks love, for listening. <laughs> I love you, Victoria. I love you too. Bye, guys. And I love your little podcast. <laughs> Thanks.